Welcome to the Encourage Project. I'm Amy Fairchild, and I am so thrilled that you're here today. Here in Northwest Arkansas, in North America, where I live, it is a stormy, rainy spring day, so I will apologize right now. If you pick up rain or thunder, hopefully it will not be a distraction during this next period of time we have with today's extraordinary guest. And before we dive into that, first, I want to say thank you. We crossed over 3,000 downloads this week, and I am just so thrilled. That's probably nothing compared to some of the folks that you follow and engage with. But to me, a one-person show who has a whole lot of support and help and is growing organically, I'm just thrilled. We are sharing the Encourage Project in 17 countries, and we have more than 3,000 downloads, and we are small but mighty and growing, and I appreciate you so, so much. So continue to share, continue to leave reviews. And I know some of the podcast platforms do not have a way for you to provide feedback. So send me a note, go to theencourageproject.com and click on hello and send me an email. Let me know what you think. Let me know if there's a guest, there's a whole place on my website where you can actually suggest future guests. And I'd love to hear from you. So thank you so, so much. The purpose of the Encourage Project really is to show people what's possible and to encourage them to greatness, sincerely, wholeheartedly, and joyfully. And to be frank, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, and that's okay. It is real, and I'm so grateful you're a part of it, so thank you. One more thing before we dive in, you know, occasionally I have a thought or I come across something that just, I just can't keep to myself. And today is one of those days. <laughs> I had a, I had a revelation this morning, you know, the last few weeks for me have been challenging in a couple of different areas. And I listened to a video, a short video posted by Mark Groves. You guys know how much I, I really enjoy Mark and I follow him. So if you haven't checked him out, check out Mark Groves. And the, the gist of his message was don't shrink. Do not shrink. You showing up in all your greatness and all your glory is exactly how things are meant to be. And if someone else is not comfortable with that and someone else does not step up into your invitation for them to grow, it's okay. Sometimes in human projects <laughs> and sometimes just life, we are tested in my view. And whether you call that test coming from somewhere like God or the universe or whatever that is for you, I personally do not believe that those tests are meant to be harsh or critical or demeaning. I believe that when I am tested, it's the universe kind of checking on me to make sure that I've grown enough to handle the next amazing thing that's coming my way. And it's the universe trying to say to me, hey, if you really want this big, great thing that's coming your way, I want to know that you're going to stand in your worth. And I was like, oh, <laughs> man, have I been tested in the last month. And I just wanted to share that with you because if you're experiencing something similar, I want to acknowledge it is hard and I get it. I absolutely get it. And I know this, when I hold integrity with my beliefs, when I honor my boundaries and when I invite others to grow, I am standing in my worth. And the things that are not meant for me are gonna fall away. They just do. And the beautiful thing about that is that it makes space for the great things that are coming. So friends, do not shrink. Don't do it. All right, end of that. So moving on. Today's guest, I'm just beyond excited to talk with this woman. We connected through a mutual friend, and you all are very familiar with my friend's work. Casey, who has done all of the work on my website and my brand, 
Kind Creative Co. is her company. You can go to my website and check out my faves. Casey Weatherford is listed there and her company is listed there. She connected me with Gayatri Agnew, which is who we're going to talk to today. And this extraordinary woman has done things that I can't even get my head around. And that's really why I wanted to invite her to share with you on today's episode. She has worked in the public sector in both government and nonprofits. And she found her way into business because she wanted to work impact at scale. That means to grow some big shit, people. (laughs) She really wanted to grow some stuff. She is committed to shared value, and she believes that businesses can be a force for good in society. And and I get it. I mean, we've all seen the news, and it can sometimes be difficult to imagine that that's true, but, but she walks the talk, people. She was raised by a single mom in California, and she knows firsthand that access to education and good employment changes lives. She currently serves on the leadership team of Global Responsibility for a world-renowned retailer. You guys would know the name if I were allowed to say it. She leads strategy and philanthropy for that division of that retailer. She is on a personal mission for more people to find purpose through the way they earn a living. And I think that in and of itself is extraordinary. I could tell you so many more things about what she has accomplished and what she has achieved, but I would rather that you hear those things from her. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to the Encourage Project community, Gayatri Agnew. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Amy. I um, I was like furiously taking notes as you were walking us through the don't shrink advice there. I'm like, yes, girl. I know I'm in the right place for this conversation and excited to get to talk with you today. Oh, thank you. I'm so glad you're here. Before we talk about some of the really meaty, cool stuff that you're doing in the community and the ways in which you serve and how you're building capability through philanthropy, I'd like for the folks to hear just a little bit about you and your life outside of what you do. Tell us a little bit about you. Wow. Okay. Where do we start? I am a mom. I have two incredible kids. They are five. My daughter turned five years old yesterday. My son is almost seven. Our family relocated here to Bentonville, Arkansas, seven years ago um, when I took the job that I have today. I was born and raised out on the West Coast. Um, As you mentioned, and it's really important to me to highlight when I share my biography, I was raised by a wildly resilient single mother who taught me all of the life lessons that I use on a daily basis to persevere through all of the things. I've um, I've spent most of my career in the public sector, so working for nonprofits and for government. And then I came to the the company where I work now seven years ago to to make impact through business. I just do everything I can to make a difference in the immediate community around me, as well as to make sure that the people whose lives I touch feel supported to accomplish their dreams, not my dreams for them, but their dreams, um, and feel supported in all that they do. So that's That's what I try to do with my time and my life and myself. One of the things that I love about what you said is that supporting their dreams, not the dreams that you have for them. And I know that for me, that was a very challenging lesson to learn early in my career, you know, wanting to, to, to support people and encourage people. And I admit there was a point in my life where I thought I knew better than some people for their own lives. I love that you said you wanted people to live their dreams and not your dreams for them. Thank you for saying that. What inspired you to pursue your mission of helping people find purpose through how they earn a living? I think a a couple of things. I think the first thing that really motivates and inspires me actually is just 
is is my own story, my own sense of purpose. Um, I'm I'm very quick to tell folks, you know, it was like I was probably 34, 35 years old before I would say I had I had that sense of purpose in the world. And I get really frustrated when we're not honest with each other about that because you know, when I was 22 years old, I remember listening to stories like this one and you'd hear someone say, and then, you know, you just find your sense of purpose and it's off to the races from there. And I would sit there and I'd be like, but what if I don't know what it is, right? It's so discouraging. It's so frustrating to know that finding a sense of purpose is this unlock to this sort of future life that awaits you, but feeling frustrated in one's capacity to find purpose. So the, the first thing I like to do is just say like, it's not it's not like you wake up one day and that purpose is there. That that purpose is a sense of journey into yourself, not a sense of journey through others. I think that you will meet people, we all meet people along the way that force us to um, look at ourselves in different ways and maybe even see in us things we don't necessarily see in ourselves. And so for me, this idea that everyone should feel purposeful in how they earn a living is saying everyone should feel deeply worthy for exactly who they are. And I connect that to the language of earning a living because you can feel a sense of purpose, but perhaps be economically insecure, right? And, and so I want not only for people to find a sense of purpose and how they show up in the world, how they engage with others, but also the economics of it, how you then generate a living for yourself, for your family, for those around you through that sense of purpose. That sense of purpose in work is, um, for everyone, it's different. Every journey is going to be different. But if you can get there, it just unlocks all of this opportunity. And, you know, I'm, I'm on that journey. I'm not, I'm not there. I love what I do, but I'm constantly seeking to evaluate which parts of what I do I like and why versus just saying, you know, for years, actually for probably like a decade, I wanted the job I have now. And it is a very cool job, right? I had written it down in grad school. One day I will do philanthropy for a fortune 100 company. And I do that today. And I'm very proud of that. But the tough thing about goals is you get to them and then you have to pause and reset them. You have to set you have to set a horizon further out from where you thought your horizon was, right? And so I'm I'm amidst a horizon reset right now thinking about, you know, who who am I at this point? Where do I want to go? What do I want to be? But the the key for me now that I turned 40 later this year is this sense of like, oh, it's supposed to be that way. Like not that you just arrive somewhere and then you kind of you know, you're like, and we're done. But that evolution, that iteration of who we are and how we show up and how we find purpose is so important to me. And I want, I want everyone to have that. I want everyone to have that if that's what they want for themselves. Wow. There are so many nuggets in what you just said. And there are, are two in particular that I want to talk about. The first was when you said, can we all just be honest about it? I have people who tell me I don't have a purpose. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> I know, like I know, like I know every single one of us is born worthy and whole and complete the day we are born and we are born with purpose. And we may spend a good majority of our lives rediscovering what that purpose is intended to be, but it doesn't mean you don't have one. And so I love that you said, can we just be honest about that? Because I think it is common for people to see someone who is living as much in alignment with their purpose as they can. It is very easy to go, oh, well, 
you know, that's for them. They just discovered it and yippee for them. That's cool. And very few of us are willing to say, you know, I struggled with that for a really long time. I tried 15 bajillion things before it showed up for me, you know, before I rediscovered what I was intended to become. So I love that you said that. I love that so much. I think the other thing that I love that you said is that it's inside. Oftentimes we are convinced that we have to go look all these other places to find something. And I would encourage people to consider it's rediscovering. It's not finding, it's never been lost. It's been in you since the day you are born. And it is an opportunity as you learn things and grow things and experience things, you're given opportunities to rediscover what is already in existence. And I think it's beautiful that you said that. And I love the last thing. Oh my gosh, the resetting your goals. I love that. I love that so much because we think, oh, well, we've achieved this goal. We're supposed to sit back and be cool, but no, (laughs) no, there's more. Oh, I love that you said that. Thank you for saying that. That's beautiful. Of course. You know, it's, it's funny. I am proud to be a goal oriented person, but one of the things I've come in to realize lately in the pandemic ironically has helped me do this is that it's not all about goals as someone who's like hardwired for like, we go to high school, we get good grades, we go to college, we get like, you know, like sort of like there's this like talk track to how life is supposed to go when you get to a certain point. Right. Um, I've been out of grad school for over a decade. I'm married. I have two kids. I'm like, okay, folks, like, where do we go from here? And the power of allowing yourself to live in the moment, which, you know, so much about this last year has just been garbage, but, but this opportunity to push myself to the edge of where I thought I could ever be comfortable and to simply say like, today was an awesome day because I sat out front in my front yard and I watched my kids ride their bikes. And that's the accomplishment of today, right? Like to bring, to to allow those goals to um, be consistent and persistent, but not in overdrive, right? Like I think of like, you can, you can downshift, you absolutely can. And to really check yourself to make sure that Part of your goals is not just where you want to go or what you want to do, but how you want to be on a day to day. I I forgot that in my younger years, for sure. I just, well, I don't know if I forgot. I didn't know it. I wasn't listening to myself enough to know it. And that's been one of my big sort of, you know, as we, as we reemerge, I guess, as we're beginning to emerge from post-pandemic life, what are the things you want to take with you? What are the things that you learned about yourself during that time? And for sure, this, this sense of gratitude and fulfillment in a, in a day, even with nothing on the list checked off, is one of the things I want to carry with me. That is amazing. And yes, that's all I can say to that is yes. <laughs> there has to be space for that too, right? Like both. Yes. It's both and. The and is so important. I love that you said it's a different kind of goal. Many of us are conditioned to go to school, get a job, work for the company, buy the car, have the family, yakety schmackety, and anything that doesn't directly align with those goals, and I'm putting those kind of in air quotes figuratively, is not worth pursuing, and that's just not true. Folks should have goals for time and space and travel and music and art and all the things. It's perfectly okay and encouraged to have goals around those parts of your life as well. You know, you have a career that is built serving others. In the last year, you may not have been able to do that in ways that you were used to. Talk about how 
you may have had to adjust the execution of serving your purpose in these conditions. I mean, it's been a hard year for everybody. And I think for me, as someone who's who's been placed in a position with the, the honor to spend someone else's money in service of social good, right, which is a huge privilege and responsibility, the primary thing that we're trying to do, that anyone's trying to do in philanthropy, is, is to do good. And when all of a sudden the world is in literal chaos, right, the pandemic created created chaos for our globe. It is not necessarily appropriate to be focusing on some of the long-term systemic issues you're trying to change. And so, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the way our company pivoted and really acknowledged through our philanthropy some of the urgent needs that were just literally right in front of all of us. You know, in the U.S., in that context, that meant immediate needs around hunger um, and food insecurity for so many American families who lost their livelihoods overnight. And, and, you know, I think now we can sort of look at the ways in which our social infrastructure has risen to this moment to help support folks, but we're 14 months into a global pandemic. And if we think back to last April and May, a year ago, I mean, this nation and so many families were, were quite literally in crisis. So, you know, I think on the one hand, just being being adaptable. I don't think that's unique to global philanthropy. I think, you know, pivoting in how you thought things were going to go and being adaptable to the reality of what they are has defined the way the world has responded to the pandemic and no less so defined the way that our team um, responded in, through our philanthropy. The other piece that's been, um, I don't know what the right word is. It's just been uh, overwhelming probably is again, like my, my day job is, is social change and impact. And there's been no emotional rest from the realities that have come forward. And, and certainly don't, don't dare to suggest that anyone really has had emotional rest in these last 14 months. But I think for some, you know, I joke with friends, like what I wouldn't give, I used to work in a pizza restaurant and I was like, what I wouldn't give to just be like pulling pies out of the oven right now. Let me just focus on that thing because the thing I focus on at work is how do we solve a global health crisis? How do we get people back to work, right? Like the specific part that I work on is the intersection of a future of work and economic opportunity and, and whatever crisis or crises the, the world or this country may be experiencing. And so like, that's heavy. I think for me, I've had to really relearn the lesson about doing as much good as you can within the scope of the capacity you have, but recognizing that you've also got to fill your own, you know, your own gas tank up so you can keep driving down that road. And um, there's been a number of moments in the last year where I like, I ran out of gas, got two flat tires and was just on the road for a minute. Like y'all, somebody come and help me. And, and the amazing thing is somebody would, right? Like, and that's, that's the thing about being open to and accepting of the humanity and support of people around you is somebody will show up and you may not recognize the offers of help as help, but they are right. Or support. I made space for other people to help me refill that gas tank or change that flat tire, metaphorically speaking. And that's also been a lesson for me because I'm not, I'm not great at that. I, I needed that. I couldn't have survived the last 14 months without that. It's interesting that you mentioned that particular dynamic of the pandemic. I had a very similar experience. I live by myself and I work from home. So the work from home thing in the pandemic change was no big deal for me. 
what was an extraordinarily big deal was being completely disconnected socially. Living alone already is something that a person has to practice, but but then removing an opportunity to connect with people outside the home was really challenging. And so to your point, finding ways to ask for social interaction without feeling like all the things I'm needy and, and, and all the things, right. That was an interesting lesson for me to learn as well. And one of the things that, that you said that I thought was really important for people to hear, and I don't think any of us could ever hear this enough is that it is very difficult to serve anyone. If you're not serving yourself, if you are not taking care of yourself and filling up whatever needs to be filled up for you, it is very difficult to give something that you simply don't have. That's right. Yeah. But it's, that's an easy one to forget. And, um, I will be the first to stand up and say in all of the things and the ways I'm working on myself as a leader, running myself quite literally into burnout, crashing, burning, and getting up again a few days later is um, is not a pride point, but it's one of those things where like you see it, you recognize it, and then you say, how do I, how do I in supporting and leading myself slowly change that over time? So on that journey, that's a, that's a pre-pandemic condition for me. And I think the, the pandemic was a horrifying and also helpful reminder that exactly what you said, Amy, we, we have to take care of ourselves and the urgency of the things in the world that need to be addressed. They require that you have the strength to address them. We want to work so hard and so fast and so furious to fix whatever is broken immediately in front of us, but it is actually a worthless effort without making sure you have the strength to, to run the marathon, not just the sprint. I kept that. That's what I kept saying to myself during this time and, and still thought like month two, month three, month four, surely, you know, surely we're toward the end of this, but I've always used that frame of it's a marathon and not a sprint that I, I find those moments of pause and quiet and, um, and rejuvenation. Rejuvenation is my favorite word. I'm not, not wild about self-care, like nothing again. It just, just, conjures up images of things that don't often find their way into my life, but rejuvenation I can get behind, right? Like what fills back up, what gives you energy again to keep going. It's funny that you say that because I actually kind of agree with you. The phrase self-care almost feels overused and inauthentic to me. And that's why I don't use it too often. I agree with you. Uh, What does feel good is replenishing energy and replenishing rejuvenation is a great word. I realized as you were talking about that, that particularly in the United States and, and somewhat in Europe, I've, I've done a lot of work with, with folks in Europe, there seems to be this badge of honor and we equate success with crashing and burning. We equate the harder we work, that's, that's success. You know, we're, we're burning 80 hours a week and that's success. And I would argue not so much. If the energy that you're investing in 80 hours a week is yielding you a 20 hour result, then I would say that's not successful. Well, what do you think? The way you're asking that reminds me of the, the moment in time we're in, which is this question about what does work look like and how do you prove how do you prove you've done it? And is it that you clocked in for eight hours or is it that you produced eight hours worth of outputs or results or whatever? And, you know, I think, first of all, every single job is different. You know, every, every job is a, you know, I, I work in this space. So I think about future of work a lot and every job is a collection of tasks and those tasks take wildly different amounts of time to do based on your capacity as an individual to do them. 
And I think in a lot of ways, the ability of someone to do a task based on their 20 years of experience doing that task in a fraction of the time it takes someone else to do the same task should be something that's actually celebrated. But instead, we've sort of built this culture where exactly as you describe, like we prove our worth based on how hard we're working and on showcasing that we are working hard. When in fact, my hope for all of us would be that we showcase what hard work looks like by the impact that we can drive and create in the world around us. And there's so many different kinds of work, you know, for the incredible people that watch my kids while they're at school on a daily basis, their teacher or their early learning educator, that impact looks like the growth of the children in their school, right? Like it's not, it's, or for, for me, you know, one of those metrics is the, the grants that we make, but another way to measure that is how our grantees feel about the work that we do. And so I just, where I wish we'd focus our energy is around why the work matters and what the impact or the outcomes of the work actually are. And those are actually mostly human measures, right? How did you feel? Did you feel better as a result of that intervention or that engagement with that person, with the example of the teacher? So yeah, I have pretty strong feelings about that. I'd always role model it tremendously, um, but I, you know, I definitely try to work hard and play hard. I try to be really proactive in sharing with my team when I'm taking off in the middle of the day to, to do something for my kids or my family to be, you know, to, to just really showcase that, that whole life, not the work life, family life, but the whole life, it's only one life. And so like, um, to not bifurcate my sense of who I am based on what kind of task I'm doing. Taking my daughter to the doctor is just as important for my life and community as is accomplishing a work task. Even though I am formally compensated for my work work, my day, my day job, we, we've misplaced a bit of that value. Sort of how, how we value what people do, all of it really matters. Um, and again, I said at the beginning, I want to make sure people can live their purpose and earn a living as they do. One of the things I'd love to see happen in the world is place value in different, different ways, because the way we place value right now really penalizes people who find their value in, for example, professions like teaching. My mom was a teacher for 30 plus years, best kindergarten teacher in the world. She was never well compensated for her work. And, and that's, you know, she was able to take care of my sister and I, but I just, I, I, in my mind, how people earn a living and how they're compensated for that living is actually a reflection of our community and our society's values, not economic sort of worth. Yes. And yes, it's fascinating to me that those values then become, unfortunately, in some ways, accepted as truths. I think there are a lot of people who feel powerless to affect that change. One of the things that I would encourage folks, you know, you've mentioned it a couple of times, just in this brief time that we've been talking that aligning purpose with what you do to earn money are really powerful things. And I agree with that. And also I would add that sometimes a person's purpose may not in its entirety generate income. For example, my purpose on this earth, and I know it to my soul is to encourage people well, I mean, no one's going to pay me to encourage them necessarily in that very simple context. However, the way I encourage people shows up in the kind of leader that I have been in corporate America, in the kind of leader I am in my community, in the way that I coach my clients. And so helping people understand that it may not be your entire purpose that is applicable to driving income for your livelihood, 
but you absolutely can leverage parts of it, if not all of it, to make that successful, I think is really important for people to understand. And I appreciate that you are dedicated to helping people understand that. I also think, you know, people often ask me for advice, right? I work in in CSR, corporate social responsibility at at a Fortune 100 company. And I get a lot of folks reach out and ask me like, well, how, how can I do that too? And my first piece of advice is actually always <laughs> sounds a little bit funny, but it's not, d- don't do this. Like which part of a business, which part of a core business are you good at? Right. Especially, you know, I'll pick on the finance and accounting majors. Like if that's what you're good at and that lights you up, you can still have purpose through doing that well in a number of ways. First of all, you're going to get to make a ton of material decisions in how you do that job that can impact how your company shows up in the world. I don't care what level you're at. It's not about having being at an executive or senior level. It's about being able to engage with others and sort of ask tough questions, be curious, push folks to redefine expectations and assumptions. The the other way you can find purpose in that, I I used to work in a career center um, out at Seattle University where, where I went to school. I would always say to students, you know, that were interested in, for example, nonprofit careers or government, I encourage you to do that. That's what I did. But make sure that's the work you want to do. You know, for example, I remember talking, we, we had a lot of students that went on to work at Boeing who had scientific backgrounds, but would say like, but, you know, I really want to make a difference in the world. And I would offer to them like, well, you know, you've got this incredible education from this incredible school. You've got a clear career path into this aerospace company and you're going to earn a good salary. Right. So could part of how you live that purpose actually being on a nonprofit board and helping that organization of an issue you really care deeply about make impact in the community. So I think we get um, unintentionally myopic about what it means to pursue purpose versus holistic about purpose being all of it. You know, and, you know, I have dear girlfriends for whom they would say their purpose is how they're raising their kids. That's brilliant and beautiful. And they should that right like it so I, I I think what I don't want folks to hear is that is either of the extremes that you cannot earn money pursuing your purpose or that you have to earn money pursuing your purpose right but finding that balance between and being honest about that balance between that there are certain things people love to do that may or may not ultimately become a, a, an income generating stream doesn't mean don't do it but be realistic about the fact that someone's going to have to put a roof over your head How do you balance that with intention and just like eyes wide open to the choices that you get to make? Um, And those aren't good and bad choices. I just hope for everyone that they're intentional choices. Intentional choices. I think so many people feel like choices are actually pushed upon them, that they don't have choice. And, And by accepting that thinking, you've actually made one. Don't get me wrong. I know there's a lot that feels like we don't have control over it, but I think part of knowing your worth in the world is also connecting to your own agency. There's nothing that happens in your life that you don't have agency to impact eventually, right? Like you can't do it right this instant, perhaps. I know for me, this journey of agency, like I'll just, you know, use a specific example. So like my my parents divorced when I was young. My, my mom did an impeccable job raising my sister and I, but we just, you know, we did not have a lot growing up. And, and I would say like our family, we, we weren't well connected, right? Like there's a lot of folks who I think whose families are able to open doors for them. And my family gave me all the love and support in the world that I needed to thrive, but 
not necessarily to open doors. Um, and I thought for so long that that was a huge impediment to me having, being successful. And then it was like something just clicked for me. And I was like, or I could ask for the help that I need, right? Like just because it came to me in a different way doesn't mean I couldn't access it. And so it was like a, a it was like a light went off around agency. And I remember it happened in college when I was an undergraduate. And I just started, I, <laughs> I started asking these professional women around me, these women that I looked up to, some were professors, one was an um, internship advisor that I had met, like, I'd never bought a suit. I didn't own a suit. I didn't, I like, didn't know. I'd never been to like a fancy dinner. I had no idea, like, which fork are we supposed to use? And so it was like this light went off where instead of feeling a sense of shame or embarrassment or lack of worthiness for not having what felt like these core skills for how I engaged in, in society, frankly, right? In rooms with powerful people, I just started asking for help. Will you help me with that? Will you teach me that? Will you show me that? And that is such a powerful unlock. And I'll tell you what, nobody said no. They were all like, of course, I'll help. But absolutely, come with me on Friday. We'll go to this dinner I was going to. And in some ways, I think it probably ended up opening more doors than if those doors had been opened for me by aunts and uncles who were in, you know, professional roles. And But I wasted so many years feeling like, you know, I can't, I can't get where I want to be because I don't have that. So that, that reframe of what is possible based on who we are and what we have has been for me critical at sort of every turn of my life. Every pivotal point of my life has been finding the place of agency where I can feel a sense of um, ability to impact the world around me or, or the, the micro choices of the world around me. I think obviously those things played a huge role in some of the pursuits that you've embarked upon since then. You know, you are currently serving on the city council in, in Bentonville, Arkansas, and you've been on boards of some national organizations, the Vote Mama Foundation and Mother and Path Forward. And also you've launched something recently that I would love for you to talk about. Your face just lit up. I wish people could see that. Tell us about Mother's Monday. Sure. Oh, I'm happy to, especially since it's the day after Mother's Monday. <laughs> um, so Mother's Monday is the Monday that follows Mother's Day. And I created this, this day, this, I, I used to call it a holiday. Um, but in an interview that I did last week, someone said, clarify for me, is it a holiday or is it a movement? And I was like, oh girl, it's a movement. Like if you're giving me the chance to define this as a movement, that's what I'll do. It's a movement about making space for working women to be successful, working mothers to be successful at work. And it really grew for me out of an incredible self-serving need, right? Like I came into my current job off of maternity leave with my son. So I had not ever had to balance the responsibilities of work and home life with a baby until I came into this incredibly demanding job at a fortune 100 company. And I just remember feeling so isolated and alone and being in so many meetings that were predominantly men or were women whose kids were much, much older. And I just, I needed community. Um, I needed more, more empathy. I, I needed to know that just because I had a little baby at home who I was still breastfeeding and was taking literally physically taking all of this from me, from my body, 
I could still use my brain and I could still show up and be an accomplished, successful, professional woman. So Mother's Monday is about reimagining motherhood and work. When I started it in 2020, I had no idea. We started planning in December, December, January. So 2019, 2020. And we originally envisioned it as an in-person gathering um, at the company office, like, and then the pandemic hit. I almost threw in the towel on all of it, but it was so clear so fast that the pandemic was going to have a catastrophic impact on the role of women in work. And I just felt like we couldn't, we couldn't put down what we had started. So we celebrated for the first time in 2020. Um, We just celebrated again in 2021. We had thousands of people at dozens of companies engage in and participate in the day. The, The goal is for it to be like giving Tuesday or take your daughter to work day, right? It's not, it's not mine. It's not my brand. I like, it's like my hope in this is that I'm a match that helps ignite a a movement, but it's not about me. It's not about me and my story, but my story is but one of many examples um, of, of a working mother who has at moments felt undervalued in my career because of my kids. And I just, I don't want people, I don't want any woman to feel that way. I want to make sure we all have agency and choice um, in what our path looks like moving forward. That's just incredible. Well, you know, what's funny, Amy, is when I first started talking about it and, and let's, let's talk for a second about like the people that try to put out your light, you know, those like my mom used my mom loved candles and she used to have one of those like long candle extinguishers, you know, like, I don't know where she got it. Um, I think she probably found it at a flea market or a thrift store, which were like her favorite places to shop. But she used to have one of those. And whenever people like try to squash me or, you know, shrink you, as you said at the beginning, like, or put out your light, I have this image of that little candle putter outer. And I'm like, nope, not me, not today. I remember early days of Mother's Monday a number of folks were like, the problem's too big. What right do you have to solve a centuries old problem? And I've thought about that a lot. And there are days when I wake up and I'm like, well, I'm just completely failing because this is an intractable centuries old problem. And there's days when I wake up and I'm like, wait a minute. And you, who the fuck, right? Like has the right to tell me I can't solve this problem. Because if I don't believe that I can have an impact and I'm not going to solve it, like I'm not crazy enough to think that like, this is my thing to solve. But if I give up because it's too hard or the problem's too big, well, then we're really screwed for the future, right? Like, so this, this way of thinking that because the problem is big means we shouldn't work on it to me is like, that's how we end up where we end up on so many issues because we don't push and we don't move forward. So no, I don't think I can solve the centuries old problem of women and work and mothers and work, but I think that I can reform corporate culture to support mothers in specific new and creative ways that helps moms that work at, at corporate um, companies feel less alone and isolated. And that's that's a, a part of the puzzle that we put together. And for those listening, I did, I dropped an F-bomb, but Amy kind of challenged. She was like, swearing's allowed, although no one's ever dropped that particular, but it just, that felt like the right moment for it, so. Fuck yes, it did. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's allowed. You can doubt yourself still, but don't let anyone out, like, don't let anyone else extinguish an idea you have because it sounds too crazy. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we talk about human projects, so what you have been talking about 
are your own human projects, you know, philanthropy, and particularly Mother's Monday is one of your human projects. When we talk about human projects, there are three buckets of work. There's plan, act, and reflect. And you obviously are a good planner. You obviously take action. I'm curious to know what role does reflection and further, what role does celebration play in your success, in your centeredness as a human? Talk a little bit about that. So um, Mother's Monday is a particularly interesting example because I had a bunch of folks sending me notes yesterday and they were like, good job, like way to go, congratulations. And I appreciate that, but this isn't coming from a place of humility. It's actually coming from a place of the impact I want to drive is not about my congratulations. It's about the random people who I had never met that celebrated Mother's Monday yesterday. And so one of the things I did in the context of your question and of reflection is I trolled our hashtag pretty well across so hashtag Mother's Monday over social media and, and found posts of people that I didn't know. I was not connected to. And even some of them, I was like, well, maybe that's a friend of a friend of a friend. Like, but like just this idea, right, that someone who I didn't know could wake up and see the potential of the impact of this movement and share his or her own reflection about how that work will impact them personally. Like it gives me chills. That's what I'm trying to create. And so I did take a little time last night to look at some of those, to read some of those. I'll do it again this week and probably the next, because that's the way um, that's the way that I've judged my success on this movement, which is the further away from myself that I can get, the more, um, the more that I can highlight and spotlight other women who are willing to share their stories as I shared mine last year, like that watching that sort of fire catch and watching that impact um, move beyond me being at the center of it to me being an observer of it is very powerful. I also, um, I've done this wildly imperfectly in the pandemic, certainly through a little bit of a wrench in it, but um, I have sought to take a day each quarter that is just like a, I guess it's a me day, but what I mean by a me day is time and space to reflect on where I am, what I'm doing, um, not just around impact, but just like, how am I feeling? What am I proud of? What am I not so proud of? What are the ways I've shown up for my family or my colleagues at work that feel really good? Um, or that I'm like, man, I hope I don't have another day like that. Right. So, um, just this, this space for reflection and, um, it's hard because you can't, it's sometimes hard to plan that. I will admit my refrigerator mostly gets cleaned on reflection days. Not that I'm not you know, cleaning it, but like you need to, you can't just turn that on. I think it's not like, um, you have to be in the right mindset for it, but I have this beautiful porch at my house and, and I sit out there, um, in the early mornings and will often journal, I'm a deep believer in the gratitude journal, and that can be, you know, once yearly or every day, whatever works for you. But if you are someone who is seeking purpose and you don't pause to reflect on and be grateful for, right, the way the rain sounds as it hits the porch that you're sitting on or the incredible human that your daughter is becoming or, right, like whatever it is, you will not get where you need to be because you won't, you won't see what's happening immediately in your, in your life. Um, so I'm a big believer in the gratitude journal and I definitely don't, um, I don't do the celebration parts real well. I've tried to get better at that. 
particularly celebrating others, lifting others up. I, I seek to sort of when, when others have big events or big moments or big milestones, just, just shouting them out, whether it's on social media or just making a phone call or sending a private text and really just acknowledging, you know, it's everything from a birthday or an anniversary or the birth of a child or a, a wedding or a divorce or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever is that life moment to be celebrated, but also just like it's Tuesday. And I was thinking of you because you're an amazing human, right? Like, so just like living in community with the people around you and acknowledging who they are and how they impact your life. I don't, I don't do as much of it as I want to, but, um, whenever I pause to reflect on like what's working for my life and what's not, I always remind myself that I should do more of it. Oh, I love that. That's, that's perfect and beautiful. And that feels like a really good place for us to kind of wrap up today's episode. So what is, if there's anything, one thing that you'd like to share with the community that perhaps we haven't touched on, is there anything? Yeah, I think the thing I'd love to share similar to the challenge of finding one's purpose is the challenge of making space for everyone to be successful. It, it took me years to realize that the success of those around me, particularly my girlfriends of the same age, just let's ladies, I'm talking to you, that this their success does not pull away anything from my success. And in fact, like we're friends. So, you know, it only shines a light brighter on me, I guess one could say. And I, I just, I like to admit that I have not always held that orientation, but I have come to really recognize that it does not serve me and it does not serve those in my community. And so like, I, I live into that jealousy sometimes and use it as a way to say like, man, like, I can't believe she was able to do that. And then instead of holding on to that energy, like flip it around and say, Amy, I can't believe you were able to do that. That's incredible. Um, Cause a lot of times what's behind what starts to bubble up and feel like jealousy is actually pride. Like if you in someone else, and then what you start to do is then go after yourself for not having been able to do or accomplish or be right. Like, so there's not a finite amount of accomplishment to go around. Um, and the sooner you can let that go from your soul, the just the more contented you will be in your own life. And, and candidly, like the more people will want to be around you. You're seeking as I do on a daily basis to lift other people up. And that's so genuine. Like I want nothing more than all the success in the world for the people whose lives I touch. So I think that's that's the only other thing I would share is let's lift lift each other up. I love that so, so much. And I have so enjoyed this time with you today. How can folks get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing and what you're up to? Sure. Um, I'm GayatriAgnew at gmail.com. You can find me on most of the social platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. I have a pretty unique name. Send me, send me a message. Um, I feel like, I feel like such a bro being like my DMs are open. Find me on Instagram or Twitter, um, or just email me at GayatriAgnew at gmail.com. Perfect. And we'll put all that stuff in the show notes for today. As we wrap up today's episode, I have to admit, normally I take notes with a guest on what action and reflection I want to offer you, but I was so enthralled with everything Gayatri has been talking about. I didn't. So we're going to do this off the cuff. What makes sense to me from an action perspective is who can you call today to shine on? Who can you at the end of today's episode, when you hit stop, who can you call and celebrate? Send them a text, 
give them a phone call, shoot them an email, shout them out on social media, whatever. Who can you celebrate today? And then as you head into reflection sometime today, hopefully the ahas, the oh no's and the yippies, what did you learn today? Did you learn more about purpose perhaps and what it can be for you? What questions do you have? The oh no's, what concerns and, and what can you celebrate in yourself and in those around you? Let's continue the conversation. You can go to theencourageproject.com and there's all kinds of ways to reach out to me there. You can find The Encourage Project on Instagram and Facebook, and you can find me on LinkedIn. And as always, I love getting your messages. I love getting them. So send me an email to hello at theencourageproject.com. Well, that's it for today's edition, friends. Be safe, be well, and take care. <laughs>